DJ, PK, and Mark Pope join us. BYU basketball coach Mark, good morning. Gentlemen, how are you? We are good, but we're probably not as good as you. The Twitterverse erupted with the news that you're getting Matt Harms. He could have gone to Kentucky. It's good to stick it to Kentucky. You don't like those Kentucky guys, do you? <laughs> Kentucky guys are shady. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're unbelievably excited. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a he's a terrific player, and he's an even better young man. So so we're we're extremely excited about having him on the team. So you finally got somebody you can look up to, huh? Literally. <laughs> well, you know, our front line is bigger than it was last year. That's for sure. Um, yes. And uh, you know, this. Yeah, I didn't know uh, Matt at all. Uh, until I don't know two weeks ago when it was when he came on the portal or ten days or whatever, but um, but man, he's an impressive young man. So when you talk about looking up to him, I don't just look up to him in terms of stature, but he's extraordinary. Uh, you know, this is a kid who um, you know is working at a shelter, uh, you know, six hours every week, uh, an animal shelter, right? He's got a, a really soft heart, and yeah, I called him. Uh, I don't know, a week ago and just kind of drilling him. And he's like, coach, I got to go, man. I'm working on this paper. And so we dug into this and he's, he's doing this, uh, essentially, uh, review of legal briefs in a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court and just got handed down a 90 page decision early and, and uh, kind of described the entire process to me and was going on and on about how, uh, Justice Scalia, you know, in his tenure on the Supreme Court, always used to rule one way and uh, talking to me about the other Supreme Court justices and how their tendencies were. And I'm like, this cat is unbelievable. So he is a multifaceted, mature young man that that is, uh, BYU fans are going to fall absolutely in love with. So uh, I think they're already in love with him. Uh, And I know the Twitterverse is only a percentage of the fan base, but they just head over heels. He played in the Big Ten, and Kentucky's a national program, and they wanted him, and people were all sorts of pumped up. I also think, though, that, uh, and we've seen this in the past with multiple programs, including BYU basketball, if the expectations get too far out in front of reality, that's a problem. Uh, so specifically, what does he bring, and specifically, what should he not be expected to bring? Because you got to keep this kind of you know grounded in reality here. You guys, you guys know me. I don't try and talk down expectations. <laughs> uh, we're trying to we're we're trying to win. We're trying to win big, and we don't win big that we deserve to take a hit. So you know we don't we don't we don't tend. Uh, you know, dumb down things. Um, you know, we have a job doing. Our job is to go win. And so we're gonna do everything we can to do. And when we when we win, we're gonna celebrate. And when we don't, we're gonna we're gonna suffer. And this Matt Holmes has come here because he's got big dreams. And um, and he, uh, you know, he's 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 taking a big risk, right? He's 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 going somewhere where he's actually never been on our campus. And and he's he's uh, going to a program that, at least for this coaching staff, is really really young. But he's doing it because. Um, he wants to take a massive swing and see what he can do. You know, think about this is a seven-three uh, center slash power forward that uh, has a really, really beautiful stroke. You know, he only shot thirty-one percent from the three-point line last year, but uh, when you look at his stroke, you just, you just, you're, you're just a believer who, um, you know, rebounds from the three-point line on the offensive end and. Uh, he's played a lot of pinch posts. You know, he's played for an unbelievable coach in Matt Painter for the last several years. And 
clearly has been well schooled and um he's excited to do everything he can to expand his game and help us win and you know, that's our job that's what we're going to try and do So with Lee and Baxter coming back and the two red shirts that are going to be available now with this kid, you're going to have five big men, and ultimately competition sorts itself out. But what's your idea as far as how they're all going to play? Well, we're going to use everybody. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed to be in a league uh, that, that year in and year out has, if not the best front line, but one of the top two or three front lines in America, and certainly in the Zags. Uh, you know, with, with everybody coming back and, and a couple guys coming back that were injured uh, the second half of the season last year, you know, we are. We're facing the best front line in America. And, um, and so we need, you know, all hands on deck. And, and we're playing another ridiculously difficult schedule this year. And, and uh, for us to win and win big, we need all these guys. And we have, you know, we have a not overly experienced um, but in some ways a very veteran, very deep, uh, really, really talented and really, really long front line. But more importantly, a bunch of guys that, um, you know, are dying to compete for each other. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about is Matt Harms is, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he plays with such fiery passion. Sometimes it overflows all over the court and all the way into the stands, right? And, um, that's a contagious feel. And, uh, you know, this Rich Harward, who I've had the pleasure of coaching at Utah Valley and transferred here and sat out last year, you know, he's the same way. He's got so much passion. And you think about Gavin Baxter with all the talent he brings. And, you know, and Wyatt Lowell, you know, at the three and the four with his incredible skill set. And Kobe Lee was our starter for the entire season last year in a, you know, in a team that was ranked in the top 20. Um, and that's a good crew. Uh, it's a really good crew. Uh, they weren't extremely excited about coaching. How many of the bigs can you play together? Have them have enough game where they can step out, shoot the ball, spread the floor, so you could really have a lot of size on the court all at once? Well, Gavin Baxter can really shoot it. Uh, Wyatt Lowell's a proven shooter. He only shot 40% for us uh, almost the entire season. His freshman year was a whack freshman year. Uh, Kobe Lee shot... Uh, a great percentage last year, even though he didn't shoot a ton. Matt Harms is, you know, he's going to make a big jump in his percentage. He's fully capable. Uh, and this Rich Harward, if you had Rich on right now, he'd say, I'm the best freaking shooter of all of them, right? Uh, and Rich would be hyped about it. So, you know, we think that these guys can really spread the floor. More importantly, they can really pass the ball. Uh, Rich Harwood is an unbelievable passer from the pinch post and the low post. Um, and, uh, and he's got, a, he's got a, a great feel and great vision. And I think Matt has shown the capability to do that at a high level. And we think um, with, with, with the way he'll fit into our system, he's going to grow into an elite passer. Certainly he's going to be able to pass over everybody, right? Um, and so, you know, these guys are – they can play physical and they can play long. We should we should feel way more comfortable on the defensive glass this year with a great effort, and, and we should be able to attack teams on the offensive glass. All those things are important parts of the game that we're excited about. So obviously, you got it. We've discussed the front court and the back court. We know we got Barcelo Harding. You got some recruits coming in. I'm going to ask you about Jesse Wade as far as his health. Do you anticipate him playing and playing for you next season? 
Well, Jesse is, uh, you know, Jesse is, is, is working hard. You know, his, his body has not been kind to him so far in his college career. Um, but he is 100% committed to finding a way to uh, fight through all this frustration and really accomplish something special. So, you know, we're excited. We're, we're excited to see what he can do. Um, he's a really, really talented player. Uh, and he's, he's really talented with the ball in his hands. He just needs to find a way to get his body healthy. So, um, you know, we, we've kind of, we've kind of um, you know, chased every – corner and avenue of rehab and, and reconstruction and and we're rolling through the whole thing again to see if we can help him. Right now he's he's feeling really good. He's um he's on a pretty intense program that he set up for himself with our uh, medical staff. Um, he's 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 doing some interesting things right now that that'll be a fun story. Uh, you know, if and when he, he finds his way back to 100% health. So we're really hopeful, um, especially hopeful for him. He's been through a lot, and I would love to see him on the court competing again. How much is the roster completely set, and how much could there still be changes whether guys are coming or guys are going? Uh, we got we got a lot of work to do. Um, so it's, uh, you know, we got our heads down right now, and this is a really important next two months for us. Um we have to find the, the, the right guys uh, to, to round out this roster. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's certainly some, some great talent and I think some maybe undervalued talent in this portal right now that uh, have huge upsides. And so we're chasing it hard. You know, I'm blessed with, you know, you think about this, Cody Feger and, and Chris Burgess and Nick Robinson. Uh, these guys are so hungry and um, they just hit it hard every single day. They're, they're hitting it hard with our players in every way that they're allowed to do right now every single day. And, and they are just crushing this portal, just scouring it and doing intense research on every single player as they come out. And, and uh, you know, you're lucky, man, as a head coach, when you have a staff like that that, that can really recruit. So I'm really interested to see how you get a kid who's a foreign kid, obviously plays in the States in Indiana, and you get him to commit to Provo, Utah without ever seeing your campus. And I don't even know if he's ever been in the state of Utah, let alone Provo. He drove through Utah one day. He didn't stop. He didn't stop anywhere, but he drove through. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it probably says more about Matt Harms than it does about us. I, I'm going to tell you what I think it talks about. So, so let me tell you why I think this happened. One is because my staff's incredible. And, um, you know, Nick Robinson was the first one to make contact with Matt as soon as he came in the portal and was able to, you know, um, was able to coerce him into sitting down and having a Zoom call with us. Uh, and then, you know, we got one shot at him. And after the call, Matt was like, you know what, I'm really surprised. I actually want to talk to you guys again. Let's go. And, um, and, uh, and then, you know, Coach Fennell and Coach Burgess, work so incredibly hard and and uh they've done an unbelievable job developing our guys and so the three of those guys uh kind of teamed up to do this so first was the staff the second thing and i kid you not um you know these crazy polls going on with the best mascot in the country and the best fans in the country and all this stuff you know you can say what you want about it you can say it's meaningless you can say that uh you know that um it's silly but but at the heart of hearts, man, being a fan can, can be meaningfully silly, but you care. And and it's no surprise that Cosmo was the number one, you know, voted the number one mascot in the country and that 
that you know, I think our fan base is ultimately going to win this thing and, and be the number one fan base in the country based on these polls is because our fans care. And this fan base is extraordinary. And the stretch and reach that it has is breathtaking. And, and, um, and uh, you know, Matt could feel that. Like, I mean, our fan base is an unbelievable recruiting tool. You know, you send kids uh, video of, of the Marriott Center on Seahawk this year, and even a guy that's playing in the Big Ten that's played in all those games, he was like, man, I've never seen anything like that. Um, and so our fan base is a huge part of it. And, uh, and the most important part is our players. Um, you know, the product that they were able to show on the court last year, I think it's caught in people's attention. And, and, um, and guys want to be a part of it, and they want to be a part of that locker room. And I think Matt's mature enough to see all that and, and uh, know who he is and what he cares about. And he was so excited to jump on board. And you know, like I said, we, clearly we're so excited to have him. Nick Robinson has a quote that caught my attention in the Deseret News. There's a story on scheduling. Jeff Call wrote it. And I've always thought, and I thought Lavelle Edwards did a great job of this at BYU with the way he turned around everything with missions. You know, it was perceived as a weakness. He turned it into a strength to the point that everybody else in the league was complaining about it. And I'm a San Diego State fan, so I know we were complaining about it. So (laughs) the scheduling, you know, nobody wants to go to the Marriott Center because your fans show up in huge numbers and it's loud and it's at elevation and then you got to go out and compete against a good team and you're probably going to lose. And he has a quote um, about non-conference scheduling um, and he turns it on his head. Uh, Yes, you've been dominant at the Mary Center and the quote is, that is actually an advantage for some of the Power Five and Blue Blood programs. The way scheduling is structured these days, you want to be able to play quad one quality opponents on the road or on neutral sites. So... That's an awesome quote, and it's an awesome thought. Do you think any of the Blue Bloods who want to get a one, two, or three seed and need quad one wins, are you actually going to get them this coming year in the Marriott Center? Man, we're trying. We're, 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 we're trying like crazy. It's not easy. Um, you know, part of and and, 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 and and all, you know, it, it also is important to note that all these leagues have gone to 18 and 20 game league seasons. So that makes it really difficult. That yeah. makes it complicated just genuinely because it, you know, it, it means they don't have as many discretional games that they can schedule. But what Nick said is absolutely true. You know, um, you know, we finished number nine in the net this year uh, and, and 13 and 10, Tom. And part of that is because we know that if we, schedule big it helps you with all the metrics win or lose you know so the truth is is for a power five for kansas or kentucky or duke or a blue blood north carolina to roll into the marathon center it actually is not expensive for them in terms of metrics win or lose right and um and if they win it you know it's, it's a huge shot in the arm so you know, we're trying to sell that narrative. I think, you know, we've established both at UVU and at BYU that it works. When you schedule really, really hard, it helps all your numbers, even if you don't come away from winning. You know, hopefully um, teams will feel that more and more and see it more and more, and, and we can get uh, great competition in the Marriott Center. It's really important to us. I mean, it's really, really important. It's been a point of emphasis to to try and make that happen. Our fans deserve it, and, and it's good for college basketball. So we're trying. Okay. 
So, Mark, is it to be totally honest, there's a prevailing thought here that you're not long for BYU, that you got higher aspirations to go to other places. So I'm not going to ask you to pledge allegiance to the to BYU by any stretch. But what I'm going to ask you is you're crazy enough to think that you can win at the highest level in Provo, don't you? I'm, I'm done that way, my friend. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, most people say that's not very small, but, but I just believe it. And, and uh, you know, I get that. Uh, we get that in a lot, a lot of recruiting. Everybody's saying, well, he's going to leave, he's going to leave. And, and um, you know, I don't know. I hope that when people look at our team and look at what we're trying to do, I hope they can see that all of us are putting our heart and soul and we are 100% invested in BYU. I love this place. Uh, I'm telling you, there are so many power fives that I could go to, uh, that any of us could go to, that we any of us could go to, where we are not going to have uh, the ingredients that we have here at BYU, um, from facilities to fan base to tradition to just the care, right? Um, I think this is an extraordinary place. And, you know, I think we can really recruit at a high level. Now we have to... You know, we have to we have to be relentless, and we're going to end up going through through hundreds of names and hundreds of deep recruiting pitches to finally get to the guys that see that this is the perfect fit for them. But I have a staff that's willing to put in the hours and do it, and and I think you know we say this all the time. We 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 have scary dreams that you're scary to talk about, but but um, we have high expectations for what we're trying to accomplish here, and and we're going to keep pounding away until we do it. Well, I don't know if you're going to take a job or not, Mark, but you're going to get offered them because those numbers you said about the net number and Ken Palm and the win-loss record and just the way the arena looked the night of the Gonzaga win at home. Uh, we saw what happened with the Colorado football program in Michigan State swooping in with big money. So we know how Power 5 schools think. So we'll be intrigued to see how it plays out. And uh, good luck with your, your head down in the transfer portal uh, grinding away here in the next few weeks. Guys, I'm telling you, you are going to love this Matt Harms. I'm excited for you guys to meet him and get him on. This kid is uh, he's spectacular, and he's going he's gonna to do some special things here. So thanks for having me on. Have a great day, gentlemen. Okay, thank you very much. There he is, Mark Pope, BYU basketball coach, all fired up. I hope he can pull that off with the scheduling, man. Turn that argument on its ear. It's a hard place to play. Yes, it is. Why don't you come here anyway? It'll really pay off for you. Well, you're exa- oh, he's right, and you're right, too, in that if you're looking to play games on the road against high-powered teams that have great power raises and net is what they call it today, yeah. If actually, if you lose, it doesn't do a whole lot of damage. In a nope. sense, it's a no-lose situation because you're not going to take a big hit. You can only rise up. So I like that that's the approach that he's using to sell to try to get these teams in that building. The game is rigged in favor of the Power 5 teams, and how it is rigged is they don't really get punished for losses because of exactly what you said and exactly what Mark said, and maybe they can make that work in his favor, but he's right. We know right in our own backyard the Pac-12 is going from 18 games to 20 conference games, so obviously everybody's got two less games at their disposal. You know, the squeeze is on. So, all right, well, it was great to have Mark Pope on, and we will look forward to having uh, Harms on. That'd be great if we can get him on the air in the coming days. DJ and PK, we are taking a break. When we come back, We're talking NFL draft with Riley Jensen, the former Aggie quarterback, and a former Aggie quarterback got picked in the first round and is headed for Green Bay. Riley's coming up next. DJ and PK, 
Brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st Century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK. It is time to talk NFL Draft with a former Aggie quarterback. Oddly, a former Aggie quarterback was selected in the first round of the draft. It's not the quarterback we're talking to. Riley, good morning. Hey, man, why did we let that song play a little longer? That's a good song you guys were breaking in here with. I like that. There you go. There you go. Well, the reason we didn't let it play longer is we wanted to have more time for you to share your genius with the listening audience. <laughs> you know, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Jordan Love to the Packers. Is it a good fit, a great fit, a poor fit? You have reservations. You are excited. A combination of all of the above? Combination of all the above. Number one, I I don't think it's any secret, and I don't think anybody – I don't even think if Jordan Love was sitting here right now that he would tell you that last year was a a great reflection on, on his ability to play quarterback. Now, two years ago, unstoppable, unbelievable. There's a lot of different reasons that we can debate that. There's a lot of different reasons um, that that possibly his play went down last year compared to two years ago. But I'll I'll say this. There there were some things that concerned me last year, and I really felt like he pressed all last year. I felt like he he was a, a typical person that he had the mindset that he was he he wanted to play in the NFL, and there was a lot of throws that I felt like he was just pressing to be a little bit better than he was the year before, and it really kind of snowballed him in a in an interesting way. Now, does that mean he's not a good quarterback? It doesn't to me, and that's where I think the pick with the Green Bay Packers becomes really really an interesting pick for me because. He gets a chance to learn from a future Hall of Famer. He gets the chance to kind of ease his way into the NFL, learn the game a little bit more, settle settle himself down and realize that, that he belongs in the NFL so that when he does start, he won't be forcing and he won't be doing some of those mistakes that he made last year. Now, it's going to be interesting because, you know, Aaron Rodgers also slipped in the first round. One of his biggest complaints was that, Brett Favre didn't do anything to to guide him, to help him, to help develop him, or any of those things. And I just get the impression, and this this is just me from the outside in. I don't get the feeling that it's going to be all you know hugs and high fives, uh, no pun intended, during the coronavirus with, with with Aaron Rodgers. I I just don't get the impression that he's the type of personality that's going to be super welcoming to a first round draft pick that could perhaps be taking his job as well. 
Yeah, that's exactly what we were talking about as far as I view it as it's not Rodgers' role to mentor him. It's Rodgers' role to compete with him and to drive up the level of competition. And conversely, if I'm the coaches of the Packers, the offensive staff, I want Jordan Love coming here thinking, hey, I'm looking to play. I'm not just looking to come in here and be somebody's backup for four or five years because if Rodgers plays as long as he wants, that's what it could end up being. I'm looking like I want it to be a Steve Young situation where I'm looking to play and eventually, buddy, Aaron Rodgers, if you want to play in this league, you're going to have to get traded. That's the mindset I would want Jordan Love to have. Yeah, and I, you know, uh, all, all things point to that Jordan Love is a great person. He's a humble kid. He's a person that's liked in the locker room and around that campus up at Utah State. People, people love this guy. And, and so if he has the right people in his ear and he comes in with the right attitude, then regardless of how Aaron Rodgers responds, it can be a positive for him. But it is going to be an interesting situation. I'll be watching it very closely because, you know, it's, you, you have to. I, I don't think that anybody that's worth their salt, even if they're on a terrible college football team, isn't trying to compete to win and isn't trying to compete to win a position. So it's not like any of these quarterbacks that go and sit for a couple of years are ever sitting there going, oh, well, I mean, this guy's way better than me. And I don't think that's going to be Jordan Love's mindset. But it would be nice to have just a workable relationship you know, in that locker room. And I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens. Where, where The other part where I think the Green Bay uh, fit for Jordan Love is really, really interesting is you have a young coach in Matt LaFleur who runs a similar offense to what um, Jordan Love was running two years ago with Matt Wells and company. And I, and I think that this, this system that Green Bay is trying to run and the idea of being able to go fast and then maybe bring it off a little bit then go fast and bring it off is something that really suits his skill set. Getting up to the line of scrimmage, getting up and, and helping Jordan Love to make plays before defenses can really get set and pin their ears back and really come after him is going to be something that really is his strong suit and, and he might bring some things to the table that Aaron Rodgers doesn't as Aaron came from a little bit of a different era in football that wasn't doing that quite as much. So I think this is a very, very signature Matt LaFleur pick, in my opinion. And this could be really, really interesting to see how he flourishes in this system. That last thing, okay, that I think would be encouraging, that it's a similar offense to what he ran under Matt Wells a year ago. So, okay, that that could be a positive. As far as the whole... um, mentoring aspect of this I feel like it gets a little overblown here now certainly if a club leader uh, you know which a starting quarterback is mocks you and tears you down and belittles you and humiliates you you know that that's a major negative that's going on that's a problem but largely I would assume that Aaron Rodgers is going in there and there are meetings and there are practices and Jordan Love's got access to all of that and the thing that ex-NFL players say when they come back here if they've you know played at one of the local schools here, and you ask them what the difference is, and they'll tell you one, everything's faster, and two, because of that, the level of detail and precision is unbelievable. It's it's light years in front of what they did in college. These guys have forty hours a week 
to spend as a full-time job, and they work more than that, right? But from the weights to the nutrition to watching the film for little tells that tip you about what's coming so you can play a little faster because you know, because you see something that triggers it, a college player is going to get exposed to that. And as long as he's not attacking you, you get to sit right in that quarterback room and basically download his brain and the quarterback coach's brain and the offensive coordinator's brain. Ask questions, watch film. That seems like a huge advantage, regardless of how much the guy wants to help you or not. No, I, I, I think that's an advantage. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I just... I mean, all those things that you're talking about, about attacking and, and being snarky and maybe being a little passive-aggressive, yeah. I could see that happening. I don't know why. I love Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a great quarterback. I, but his personality sometimes is a little bit pouty, sometimes is a little bit passive-aggressive in the, in the media. So I, that's where I'm a little bit interested. That's, that's where I think that maybe this could be problematic. Now, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that Jordan Love can't handle that either, right? So it's not not that you can't handle that situation, but the ideal situation would be somebody like Peyton Manning, who who is kind of a coach in the room too and realizes that there's guys behind him but has enough confidence in himself to say, there's no way this sorry dude can replace me. I'm going to help him get as good as he can, and then <laughs> later in life we'll be friends and laugh about it. So I, it's, it's going to be an interesting dynamic. I've been in rooms where – Quarterbacks hate each other. I've been in rooms where quarterbacks are super symbiotic and, and very nice to each other, and but also really competed. And I think the ideal situation is where everybody can get along, but make no mistake about it, I'm trying to take your job. Right, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Do you think that it puts any more pressure on Jordan, the fact that the Packers traded up to get him and gave up some assets? Uh... I mean, I mean, maybe just in a young mind, like, oh wow, they really traded up for me. But I think if you're, if you're, if like I said, I, I mean, it depends on the people that are around Jordan Love. If you've got the right people around you, saying, hey man, you just need to go in and you need to play football and you need to do your thing. Look, Jordan Love has some arm strength and and some quirkiness to him when he's when he's running around in the backfield, changing it into a backyard game. That is that is really really interesting to me. It's it's going to be really interesting. He also has, and this is where you guys were talking earlier, and this is true. Every NFL player that I've talked to, when they talk about the difference between college football and pro football, it's speed, right? Well, there was there was some some games where I couldn't believe how late Jordan Love threw the ball. Right? He's got to learn, or he's got to be able to recognize defenses a little bit quicker. And get that ball off and let his natural ability take over because when he's standing there and you're and you're warming up or if you're playing seven on seven or if you're just throwing routes on air, he's going to look amazing. Where he didn't look amazing sometimes last year was late processing and and not throwing the ball on time and waiting for a receiver to get open before he threw it instead of throwing a receiver open. And so he's going to have to work on some things and this is a great opportunity for him to do that. The speed of the game is going to be important for him to pick up. Um, obviously, tapping into Aaron Rodgers is going to be important for him. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens. But I think, like like we started this conversation, I'm a little bit of everything with this pick. I'm a little bit excited. I'm a little bit nervous for him. I'm a little bit intrigued by it. 
I think there's all kinds of storylines that could evolve out of this draft pick. You know how we feel about storylines. We love them. Oh, you do? You do? Yeah. You, you like those? <laughs> yeah. It's kind, of, it's kind of like the air we breathe, right? Right. right hey, right, this right. team's going to come in and win 70 to nothing. Well, that's just boring. I don't care. Right. Exactly. You want you you want something like brothers are playing against each other or somebody's dating somebody's girlfriend. You know, it's all <laughs> Look that at you. Is there an issue we need to know about, Riley? What happened at Snow no, College? No, tell me about no, 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 no. tell me about that Badger soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, don't hey, listen. I know that we make fun of the opposite sex for reading People magazine for the truth, but there's no question that Sports Illustrated is the People magazine of of our gender, right? Like, we love the ins and outs, the stories, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you can you, you can you can label it how you want, but there's no question. There's drama on every football team. And, and following that and watching it and then seeing the product on the field is exciting. It's, 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 why, it's why we enjoy it. It's not just a game. What do you forecast for Tyler Huntley coming up likely on Saturday? Uh, you know, I'd really like to see him get a chance. There's, there's obviously some things that are problematic about him, and 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 I know that we've talked about this over and over and over again. When he is what I call an authentic quarterback, meaning playing to his skill set and not trying to be something that he thinks he's supposed to be, I think he can be a very effective quarterback. Does he have the accuracy and the arm strength to be a quarterback in the NFL? I hope so. I hope so. And I'd, I'd like to see him get a chance and be under somebody where he can really get the tutelage and really get the opportunity to show his work ethic and um, be, I, I guess, what you would say, a master of his craft, right? Like really getting immersed in football and really just being that kid that, that works hard. Do I see him being a starter? Man, that feels like a little bit of a stretch to me, but I certainly think that he could be a good player and that he could be a serviceable player in the NFL for – a few years, you know, I hopefully, you know, every player that goes to the NFL, I'm, I'm hoping they get their four years. So they get their pension. And then, and then from there, everything else is gravy. Right. And, and I think with the year that he had last year, there's gotta be an organization out there that can look at Huntley and say, gosh, you know, when he was in a, a, a pro type system and when he was coached by Andy Ludwig, Look at the progression that he made from this year to this year. Look at his passing percentage. Look at his efficiency. Look at the things that he did. And make no mistake about it, NFL coaches have some arrogance about them. They think they can do their job better than anybody in the world, better than college coaches, better than high. They think that they're better at developing and understanding how to develop than anybody else. And so I think somebody will take a chance on him, and I think that'll be a good thing for Tyler to have somebody that that is working on developing him and, and that he can carve out a nice career in the NFL. Do NFL's t- Are there still a lot of NFL teams you think that would want a guy, they've got a power run game and a guy who could be really effective throwing the ball deep and play action? Because NFL teams don't like to throw it deep because there's a better chance the quarterback's taking a hit. I don't really see Tyler throwing it 
35 times a game in a West Coast offense. It doesn't seem to be a strength. But you look at the yards per play for the Utes this year through the passing game. They didn't throw a lot, but they could throw it down the field and make big plays. Are there NFL teams going to be attracted to that? I, I think there's enough, um, and I think that's why he gets whittled down to a Saturday draft pick instead of a higher draft pick is because that's going to be the question mark. Can he throw the ball 30, 35 times a game? And I don't know what the answer is to that. I, I, I mean, every year, the one thing that you can say about Tyler Huntley is every year at the University of Utah, he got better. Yeah, true. The, the, the thing that is also a knock on him a little bit is he did have some injuries, right? Because he wants to take off and he wants to run. So that's why he slides. That's why he drops. If you, if you watch a practice, if you watched him live in a game, I mean, he has the arm strength. Um, there are some things that feel a little bit forced about him, but he has the tools to play in the NFL. It's, it's whether he can develop, whether someone's willing to develop him into a quarterback that can stay around in the NFL for a while. Riley, we appreciate the time. As always, thanks for joining us. Hey, man, I, I love you guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Riley Jensen joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. I just wanted to let you know that I really dislike People Magazine, so that's all. Happy Friday. Jill, check it in right there after Riley dropped the Sports Illustrated is the People magazine for sports fans. Nice. Happy Friday. We had a lot of takes coming in, PK. A lot of stuff we've talked about in the draft. All the feedback is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Vegas U tweets in, Honestly, I wish Jordan well. Number one, honestly, I wish Jordan well. Number two, I'm not an NFL scout, but as a fan, I do raise an eyebrow. Number three, whatever the NFL scouts love did not win games in college. Jordan reminds me of Jake Heaps. Make two or three throws a game that excite people. The problem is the other 20 throws a game. I might quibble with the numbers, but I get the point. There were throws in games that were problematic. And for... uh, for, for all the arm strength and all that, and there is a wow factor when he throws the ball because he can be on the hash marks on one side and he can throw the ball to the sideline on the other side on a rope. But he was staring some of those throws down this year and that's why he threw pick sixes. And I know he had a new head coach and a new OC and a new play caller and I know he had new nine starters on offense and I honestly believe all of those things are problems, comma, but when you're throwing the ball down the middle of the field 20 yards... And there's linebackers underneath. You know they're going to be there. And they pick the ball off. That's a you problem. That's not a head coach, OC, wide receiver problem. That's a you problem. So I get the raised eyebrow from Vegas Ute. And I think that's why I slipped in the first round. But it goes to what Riley said. Coaches think they can do it better. They think they can fix that. It's not at all surprising he got drafted early because of all the physical gifts, but there is somebody who takes him in the first round and thinks, I can fix that. I mean, there is pressure that goes with being a first-round pick and a quarterback. If you're a fifth or sixth-round pick, it's kind of an acknowledgement you got some flaws. But in the first round, there are expectations, and he's going to wear them, and that's a place that's got high expectations for quarterback play because they've had Favre and Rodgers for 30 years. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you bring that up, I mean, that's something to behold, and that's a great track record. You know, none of that, what he did in college, it doesn't matter anymore, though. It's over. Yeah. It's it's like what you did your junior season obviously had no bearing on what you did your senior season. That's over, too. So, yeah, I think what Riley Jensen was saying is that he was trying to live up to the NFL. Every game for him, in addition to trying to beat Boise and and BYU and so forth and Wake Forest and the teams on their schedule, it was also uh, him trying to audition for the NFL. And every pass, every game, every snap was just, he was under the microscope. And so now, you know, relax a little bit here and, and learn your position the way you need to learn it and go play it. So I can make an argument that he can grow from that because what he did in September, October, November, it has no bearing on anything when we get to the season. And so they saw something in him. They saw a lot of things in him. And now it's up to him to improve and show it. And it'll be a gradual thing. So all that stuff that he did before doesn't really matter. It's what you do from here on out. Go Cougs, beat the Zags. So I think we know the bias are coming from there. What a stupid pick for the Packers. They need help for Aaron Rodgers. I think that whether it's right or wrong, and obviously if they hit on Jordan Love and he gives them quarterback play for the next 10 or 15 years that they've gotten for the last 20 or 30, no one's going to care. Everyone's going to embrace it. But right now, it is a little surprising that they didn't get a receiver or a tight end to help Aaron Rodgers out because it's what you said earlier this year. He's 36 and playing at a very high level, judging by last season. He'll be 37 in December. The future is now, are they a player away from getting back to a Super Bowl and winning another title? And they drafted for the future, not for oh. the now. Yeah, but see, in just a be devil's advocate here, which sure. you know it's a position obviously I'm very comfortable with, <laughs> right. is that it it it's like I talk about with college football. You know, anybody could have a season, but you're trying to build a program or you're trying to maintain a program, depending on where you are on that ladder. And to a lesser extent, it's that same way in the NFL. You know, they not only have to think about next season, they've got to think about whatever because if Rodgers all of a sudden starts to slip and at 38 he retires, no one's shocked if at 38 you're retiring because that's basically the Eli Manning story, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. And you can argue even better than pretty good if you want. But then, you know, he gets to be upper 30s. And then he's done, and the team around him isn't very good. So they make the decision to go with Jones. Well, that could come. And LaFleur here wants to be the coach of the Packers at least for the next decade. So, yeah, you have an eye to right now, but you also have to look down the road too. And if they believe, which obviously they did believe, that Jordan Love is going to be that guy down the road, uh, you know, you hear sometimes, well, win today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Well, how about, well, we'll look, prepare ourselves for down the road at the game's more, most important position. And then in the meantime, while this kid's developing, we'll do everything we can to win now, too. So you got to look at it from a management perspective rather than an Aaron Rodgers perspective exclusively. Let's give Joe Ingles the last word, Yak. I've loved doing the radio that I've done every week for however long now um five years i think it is um i love the uh, i started doing that because i wanted to give people a bit more of an insight and um that we don't just like get up and get on a plane and we obviously not saying we don't have a nice lifestyle but there's a lot more real stuff that goes on 
There he is. Joe Ingles on a Zoom call earlier today on why he likes coming on and doing the radio here on our show and talking to all of you. And there is Joe in his own words. We give him the final word. We're out. We'll see you Sunday night on Talking Sports.